Hi, and welcome to Security Explained. I'm Chris Grayson. I'm Drew Porter. And I'm Logan Lamb. We're coming to you every two weeks with tips and tricks on how to protect yourself and your loved ones out there on the internet and in real life. Today, we're going to be talking about a cornerstone of modern security, something that has enabled the world of information security to progress, but also represents a major source of exploitation and vulnerability. We're talking about passwords, something you're surely familiar with and something we're willing to bet you've been compromised through. So how do we keep ourselves safe when working with such a commonly unsafe technology? Let's find out. All right, so Drew, can you start us off with why passwords are used at all? What problem are they alleviating? Yeah, so passwords are there to identify people. And if we think about it from a human perspective, we have a very easy time identifying people. We have multiple forms we can use to identify someone based off their look, the sound of their voice, even how they walk. If you're looking for a person in a crowd, you'll notice how easy it is for you to pick up like, yeah, that is the person I'm looking for uh, because you notice the physical characteristics or even how they're, uh, you know, present themselves out and about in public. Unfortunately, computers don't have that luxury. They, they don't have the ability to just say like, yes, this is this person because I'm super familiar with them for the most part. Right. And, and especially in the early days of computing, they didn't have these solutions that we have today that kind of allow us to do it, do it based off of physical looks and characteristics of people. So there needed to be a way that could be implemented to add some type of security into systems. So computers didn't just have no password, but at the same time, also uh, be easy for the users to use and implement and they can be comfortable with. So passwords were kind of the solution for this. And knowing the identity of someone is a basic requirement in the world of security. And this is because a lot of the actions that we allow users to do or the, a lot of the actions allowing users to have information or access to particular parts of a network or even access uh, to their, their personal items, we have to be able to identify it somehow. And we do that very simply through passwords at the basic level. Awesome. So, um, Chris, can you tell us a little bit more about verifying identity? Like, what is this problem called in security? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's referred to as authentication, uh, not to be confused with authorization. So, authentication basically answers the question of who are you? Authorization, on the other hand, is uh, what are you allowed to do? And the, the idea behind passwords is that it's a secret piece of data that, you know, you're not... You're not technically supposed to share. I know that none of our listeners have ever shared a password either. Uh, but but the idea being that like, well, if this is a secret piece of data and only you know it, if you're able to demonstrate your knowledge, then you have successfully identified yourself as the as the owner of this knowledge, right? So um, in in kind of the academic literature and authentication, uh, there's there's this term that you'll find pretty commonly that authentication is based on three different things. Uh, is It can be something you know, like a password, uh, something you have, like, for instance, your cell phone. If you've ever gotten a text message 
that had a code in it after logging in somewhere, and then you had to enter in that code as well. That's something you have, right? Because you had to have your phone in order for you to complete that authentication transaction. And then the third is something you are, um, which is like, what about your iris? So if somebody, like, if there's eye scanning technology that is used to gain access to a system or a fingerprint reader, or uh, I guess the most prevalent one right now would be the facial recognition systems that they have on iPhones. Um, that's something you are. There's some debate between, like, is there really a distinction between something you have and something you are? Because I do technically have my face and my fingers and my eyes. Uh, but but that's those are kind of the, the three different branches that are, that are cited commonly, at least. Awesome. Um, yeah, so... But with all that said, Drew, like at its simplest, what is a password? Yeah, as as Chris talked about, it's a secret that only you should know in theory, right? And we would never advocate for password sharing. Um, <clears throat> never, never done that before. Never. Totally, totally not. Um, but with that, making sure that it is a limited uh, knowledge item, hopefully only limited to you. And the reason why you want that is because when you go to a website and you type in your username, so if you're going to type in your username, if I was logging into something, it would be, you know, my email and then my password. The website goes, checks that on their side, on their database and says, Hey, this is the username and this is the password. Is this, do they match up? And, you know, if I entered it incorrectly, the website's like, yeah, they match up. This is who it says it is. And if someone else has that, then they can just pretend to be you. So if you prove you know that secret, at the most basic level, you've proven, like, who you are. And we'll talk a little bit about how that's not always the case. Um. If someone else has the password, then someone else can pretend to be you. And that leads to dangerous situations. And then passwords themselves are, I mean, they've been used literally for centuries. I mean, we haven't had computers for that long, right? But we've had to have ways to ensure that this person claims who they say they are. And this can be as simple as uh, a particular type of handshake. That could be a password to identify yourself as a particular type of person or a person with particular type of knowledge, as well as if you're going to, you know, uh, let people in into a uh, like a fortress or something like that. If we're talking about way older times and you ask them for like, hey, what is the saying? What is the passphrase? And they give it to you correctly. It'd be like, OK, this person is clearly who they say they are you know, open up the gates, let them in. Same thing transitions over to the computer world. We use that same old school thought and we just implement it digitally. So now it's ones and zeros going over copper or going through a wireless communication instead of being physically said to someone else. Well put. Okay, so if I'm tracking with you guys, um, passwords are a familiar way of proving you are who you say you are, right? Mm -hmm. And it sounds like there are quite a few known problems we have, and we have some new problems in the digital world. Um, so let's get into that. Um, 
So I've been told that passwords should be a certain length. Uh, they should be relatively complex. Uh, Drew, can you delve into that? Yeah, so password complexity is always a moving target in the world of security. In the beginning, we were happy with passwords that were six characters long or passwords that were eight characters long. And then we started adding other requirements. So now your password has to have a number in it. Now your password has to uh, contain a special character, such as an exclamation point. With that, that combination, if we just look at the first part of what was changing in the beginning was the length. A shorter password is always going to be easier to guess. And you don't have to think about it as like a human guessing the shorter password, though that does happen sometimes um, where a, a human that knows a particular individual very well or has resources to talk to people that know that person very well, they can probably guess their password. Uh, but computers can guess billions of passwords a second. So if you have a very short one, it's going to be figured out within no time. The longer passwords, which are much harder to guess, uh, just because of the particular key space. And what I mean by that is the possible combinations. So if you have a, you know, a four-digit password that's only numbers, there are 10,000 possible combinations, right? Less than a second for a computer to guess. would take a little bit of time for a human to guess, but... We can use computers to guess passwords, so why not do that? But now if we have a password that is 32 characters long or longer, that's a much longer time. I don't know the exact time that it would take for a computer with today's technology to guess that length of password. 10.75 days. 10.75 days. All right. I did the math uh, in my head. Okay. Yeah, approximately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So now we should even have longer passwords, right? We should have passwords yep, in, yep. in 256 characters or 500, you know, Drew, I can't 12 characters. Uh, 277.3 yeah, days. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and if, if, if you, uh, yeah, NSA is like 256 character password, two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's got quantum computers. Yeah. That's immediate. <laughs> um, and uh, but yeah, and, you know, Logan, you, you talked about I can't remember a 256 character password. I don't think anyone can. I, I shouldn't say no one can, because I know we're going to get a comment saying, well, actually, I can remember. And it's like, oh, my God. OK, <laughs> well, besides your like human, there's always, superhuman, there's always one person. Yeah. That does it. Besides your superhumanness, um, I can't remember a password that long. And with that. Uh, there are solutions for that. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but, uh, the length, the complexity, uh, and the randomness of the password, right? Making sure it's not, you know, if you have six kids, all their birth dates in a row with their names behind it, that shouldn't be your password. Yeah. It's comforting to know that there are some good solutions to remembering or to at least manage these very long, complicated passwords, but people don't do that, right? Chris, can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously, if you could create a completely random 255-character-long password for every one of your websites and remember them all, uh, you're superhuman. That's great. Uh, I, I can't do that. I, I, my memory is so bad um, that I was hanging out with a friend 
uh, on the beach this past weekend. And I hadn't seen them in like six months. And they brought one of their friends. And I previously knew this person's name. And I no longer knew this person's name. And I felt terrible. And like, so that's what I'm dealing with when I have to deal with passwords. Because um, <clears throat> like, like, yes, you want high complexity. Uh, but humans are limited in their capacity to remember things. And so you start taking shortcuts, right? Um, and, and one solution that, uh, that immediately comes to mind when it's like, well, I need to remember this. is like, well, why don't I write that down? Um, and, and maybe you could write that down digitally, right? So um, maybe you have like a text file or a spreadsheet or it's on Google Drive or something like this where you have all of your uh, usernames and passwords. I, I'll tell you what. So, so my, my background, Drew and I have, all three of us have known each other for a while. Um, but Drew and I first met working at a penetration testing firm, um, which is basically a firm that is hired to hack into companies. A company will hire them. Uh, to say like, hey, how am I vulnerable? Try breaking into me. We break in, and then we say, here's how you're vulnerable. Here's how you fix it. Um, and did lots of lots of fun I- engagements uh, in that line of work. Uh, but I'll tell you what. What one of my first things uh, that I do once I have compromised your computer, especially in a corporate environment, is look in all of the places you think you're sneaky and hiding your stuff. Right. So it's like. Oh, there's some weirdly named text file on the desktop. Or like if you go into the documents folder, there's some directory that's like 20 directories deep that has a spreadsheet in it. Like there are tools you can use to search throughout all the file system. Like I'm going to find if you're writing, if if I've broken into your computer and my goal is to continue compromising other things, I am going to scour your computer for where you have hidden your passwords. Um, so like writing your passwords down digitally is introducing a single point of failure. Um that's just something you, you 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 don't really want to do, except in the special case that we'll we'll talk about later. Uh, so, what about physically, right? Like, uh, <laughs> true. What what was the wasn't there a thing where a, a fairly public event that somebody had a password <laughs> written on a sticky note and put on their monitor, like on yeah, TV? Yeah, I mean, there's been a few of those. We've had uh, folks in embassies, which are always the ones that get me. It just hurts where you see. Uh, you know, people that are the public facing side of an embassy and they are doing a photo op and then you see their password on their monitor and a sticky note. You yeah. in one case, I, I believe the password uh, was like password one, two, three, four. It's like, why do you need to write that down? All the things you can remember. And, and you know, what Chris was talking about, like uh, checking your computer digitally. Uh, when we're breaking into buildings physically, the first thing that I want to look for is notebooks laying around, right? Those engineering composition yep. notebooks, those are gold mines for just everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just taking photos <laughs> of that after making the entry. Um, the weirdest place I've actually seen a password uh, or one that I, I don't know if it's weird. Maybe lots of people do this, um, but it stuck out to me. Uh, it was underneath the microphone. So I flip this person's keyboard over and I see no password, which we have found passwords before underneath the keyboard. Like, oh, yeah. How generic oh, yeah. in Hollywood that sounds. That is totally <laughs> a real thing. So sneaky. So, oh, my God. They didn't put it on their monitor. They put it under their keyboard. Who would have ever thought? Or the mouse there? pad. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I yep. But this yep. person had the password underneath their microphone. They had like a blue Yeti microphone. And this is not like some small corporation. Um, this is a Fortune 100 company, um, a a very household name, and yep, checked underneath there. I was just like, oh, 
okay, well, let's try this. Luckily, uh, you know, <laughs> these companies are very generous in providing maps and names of where everyone sits at their office um, because yeah. they're remodeling all the time. So people get moved around. And so we figured out, okay, their username, that was fairly easy. And now we have their password. And sure enough, we we're able to log in. And it wasn't just a regular like user. This was a administrator for the network. So we had that's unfortunate, uh, you know, a very, very high level of power within that environment now. And they actually were very angry. They're like, why would you check underneath the microphone? <laughs> really? <laughs> why are you hiring me if you're asking the question? What? what? <laughs> why would you put it? I'm sorry. The I'm doing my job. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's supposed to be off limits, dude. Out of uh, under under my phone is out of scope, don't you know? Well, they thought they thought that we were there targeting them, right? That was like their argument that they're trying to make. It was just like, oh, they felt targeted. No one, no one knows that I have my password underneath my microphone. And I was so, like, so who would? Yeah. <laughs> well, I do. Well, I do. And <laughs> since we're doing this, since this company wanted to do this with the whole team, your whole team knows it now. <laughs> So, so just to, yeah, so just to wrap, wrap up uh, the kind of what we're saying about um, remembering passwords. Uh, so you might think like, okay, long passwords are good. Complex is good. I, I can't have a bunch of different complex passwords. Uh, so you know what? Why don't I just use the same? I just might remember one really long password and use it everywhere. You know, and, and <laughs> I think Drew's going to talk a bit about why that's. Yeah, I mean. That's that in, in the world of security, we call that password reuse, right? And that in particular is a very, very common problem that we find. And it's, it doesn't just affect uh, like normal everyday users. Again, going back to the admin, they actually had a password reuse problem as well, where not only were we able to get into one particular environment, we were also able to use that same credentials or username and that password in other environments uh, where you should have a different username and password. So uh, that, uh, and you run into this all the time. If if you have the same password for your Facebook, for your Gmail, for your, you know, your Yahoo, if you're still using Yahoo, uh, <laughs> you know, can't, oh, sorry. You know, can't, can't uh, got to be inclusive, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Um, if you're using it for, you know, your Instagram, if you're using it for your banking, right? Uh, all these should be different passwords, but a lot of times we'll find with users who just don't know the risk, right? They, they're told a lot of information of like, oh, you need a long complex password and then no one will be able to guess it. Um, yes, you do need that. That is true. The problem is you need that for every single site that you log into. So even if you have a super complex password and you put it on a website and that website becomes compromised, now that one password that you use that is actually very secure and, you know, super complex, let's say it is 257 characters. Wow. I know, special characters and uppercase and lowercase and numbers and totally random. Um that one password that is a great example of how a password should be made is now useless. It has the same security as if you were to have a, you know, if you were to write it down and email that password or, or mail that password out to all your friends. 
God, I can't imagine what would happen if I gave you two my password. <laughs> <laughs> you can trust us, Chris. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we, again, we don't recommend sharing passwords, right? But that's essentially what happens once a website gets compromised. That one password now becomes public. Um, and everyone can start using it to get into your Facebook, to get in your Instagram. But more importantly, let's talk about the things that actually matter. Facebook and Instagram is one thing. Uh, getting into your email, getting into your banking information, getting into your work computer. These are the parts where things start getting uh, really, really scary for users. Sure, your Facebook gets hacked, whatever. Um, now, if someone has the ability to get access to banking information, okay, that you know that's going to affect you. Um, the bank also doesn't always refund you money that was stolen, right? You have to make sure you catch it within a certain amount of time. Um, I think like 60 days is a pretty standard time. So if someone has your password and they have access to your account for 60 days and they start making small transactions that you don't notice, um, you know, you're not going to get that back. Or if someone gets access to your work computer, in a lot of places, that's grounds for being terminated. Uh, and we have seen that before, uh, unfortunately, where someone wrote down their password on a laptop on the bottom of the laptop. The laptop became stolen and the people were able to log into that laptop. That person was fired. Uh, oh, man. So, it, yeah, it's a super unfortunate event. Something that could have been just a stolen, stolen company property thing, uh, which most people aren't going to get fired for. Right. Um, yep. But now that you just the property was stolen and you gave them access is how that company looks at it. Right. And it's like, why did you write that down? Um, and it became yeah. a fireable event. Especially if it's password. One. Oh my God. Come on. I, you just got the <laughs> bear cats, man. Yeah. <laughs> Politicians, uh, they also have terrible password reuse and complexity problems, but that's a whole nother story. That could be a whole episode. And it's unsurprising. Unsurprising. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it sounds like there we have tons of issues as users, right? But what about issues on the service side? Yeah, like so so it's one thing like passwords are hard to use well on the customer side, but then like so so as somebody that has written a decent amount of software, like I've I've been in charge of of authoring the the services uh or the pieces of software that were responsible for handling authentication on the back end in the past, like they're also really hard to hold on to correctly as well. Because um, like, so for instance, if you ever hit, I forgot my password and you type in your email address and then you get an email and the email contains your plain text password in it. Um, that is a strong sign that the software or the website that you're interacting with does not follow security best practices. So um, when, you're, when, when you're writing a website uh, and you want to handle passwords, you don't just want to take the plain text password, the value that uh, the user sends you and put it directly in the database. Because then if that database gets compromised, you have the plain text passwords for all of these accounts. Um, so there's a, there's a thing called a, a hashing function, which is effectively, uh, it, it's a series of operations that you run on a password. And the result of these operations is a deterministic output. So if I take the word hello and pass it into this function, I will always get the same output, but that output, I it is difficult to get the input from. So if I have the result of hashing the word hello, 
determining that hello was the word that generated that value is fairly difficult. You actually have to do what's called a brute force attack to get that. Um, so websites, if they're following best practices, should be hashing passwords when they're submitted. And then when a new login attempt comes through, they would say, okay, uh, Drew gave me his email, um, fluffybunnies123 uh, at Gmail. And uh, he gave me this password. And I'm going to hash the password and then look up the record associated with its email address and check to see if the hashes match so that the database doesn't actually have, um, doesn't actually have the original password in it. Because when, when you're building software, when you're building services, one of the things that you have to think about is how big of a target do I have on my back? And generally speaking, you want to reduce the amount of valuable data that you have access to because the more valuable data that you have access to, the bigger the target you have on your back, the more likely you're going to get attacked. So, you know, passwords are kind of difficult from from both sides of the aisle. Yeah, clearly. Uh, quite a few issues for both users and services. Um, all right. So given these issues, how do bad guys take advantage of them? How do they actually compromise our passwords? Oh, man. Well, so I got an email this morning. Um, and so I did not know this, but apparently I'm somehow related to a Nigerian prince. Um, Congratulations. You, you would never know oh, by wow. looking at me. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm royalty. I always thought that I was royalty, but now that I have this validation. Um, so, so you know, it says like, oh, I have all, I have these millions of dollars that I need to get into the United States. And I just need a little bit of help from you. If you could just take this money and then send me this. Um, and it's just, it's a common scam. It's a common scam. Uh, where, uh, I, and the, the Nigerian prince one is the kind of quintessential one that is referred to as the most common. Um, but I, you know, if you're listening to this, chances are you've gotten a fake email before that was asking you to do something or asking you to go to some website or take some action. And it was trying to deceive you. And we call that phishing, phishing with a PH, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. Uh, yes, I can spell, um, but the the whole idea behind phishing attacks is that somebody is trying to scam you out of something, uh, typically via email. It can be via phone as well. Um, and, and sometimes it's they're trying to get money out of you. But uh, as Drew and I have plenty of experience with, uh, a lot of times it's to gain access to your corporate credentials. And I, I can say this both from the side of like having done a bunch of penetration testing. I have drafted the emails. I have sent them. I have spoofed the like sender email addresses. I've put up the websites that harvest credentials, but also on the defending side, the various uh, companies that I've worked with, we see quite commonly phishing emails coming through saying like, oh, I'm so-and-so executive uh, and I need you to take this action for me right now. Send me your, your phone number back. Um, so, so just phishing in the corporate environment is super common. And <laughs> so that... There was one time that a phishing campaign that we were doing for for a client got a little bit out of hand. I Not really feel like I remember. Yeah, I mean, so this phishing campaign, uh, I, I I believe I know what when you're talking about, Chris. It it became so bad we had to shut it down actually because it was too successful. <laughs> um, it, yeah. it required a few things uh, for the user to do, and one of them was log into your corporate account. So. Uh, the, what we use for the URL was like starbuckrewards.com, which, uh, I have no problem giving that out anymore because it is like on every blacklist. And every time I try to like <laughs> remove it from a, from, from a list, it gets removed for like literally three seconds. And then it's put back on there. 
because it's been used in so many fishing campaigns over the years. Oh, wow. uh, so it's not it's not one that we're using anymore. But uh, it, it we had it as like, you know, company name dot And it was just like, hey, like your company is having this promotion, get a free five dollar uh, gift card. And the problem uh, that we had on our side was if you entered in any company name, so if you entered in, uh, oh no, I'm trying to think of companies that aren't clients now. Whatever, <laughs> <laughs> trying to be real careful. You imagine it, the, the fluffy bunny one. Oh two, yeah, three and and if your Gmail is fluffy bunny one two three, because I just checked if that was taken. Uh, we are so sorry. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but uh, yeah, so fluffy bunny one two three uh, dot starbucksrewards.com, right? And it would say log in with your company credentials. And it didn't really care what you put in the company credentials. What it did do, though, uh, and, and I remembered this, we would have it fail the first time. So if someone was like trying to be smart and they're like, oh, I'm just going to put in random stuff and see what happens. Um, nope, it would it would always oh, fail. Better. And then they would like generally if they were that type of person, they would put in the correct credentials the next time. That's totally and, legit then. Yeah. <laughs> and it would always fail the first time though. Uh, so it was also very nice to see like people put in their passwords correctly, like both times. Um, <laughs> but then they would get in. And so we'd now have their username and password, right? And, but then we'd go a step further and we're like, well, you have to download these printer drivers. <laughs> of course. And, <laughs> I, I can't print this Starbucks coupon without clearly. special drivers. And um, a lot of individuals if a web, if a website says like you need a kodak or like a printer driver or something <laughs> please upgrade yeah. flash um be extremely suspicious of it it might require that but i'm gonna say like nine times out of ten uh or i should probably say like 99, 99. times out of 100 yeah million <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna require that but uh if it does require that you have uh, you know, some type of special driver, uh, maybe just don't use that service. But uh, with that, uh, we're like, install this printer driver. So they would download and install it, which is totally just malware that we wrote uh, to then take over their computer. The problem was people started sending this link to other people. So now we have <clears throat> individuals who are not part of the test, right? And in, in, a, in the world of security testing, you are bound uh, legally to only test that one company that hired you, right? That's why it's not illegal. The company hires us. We agree. We have terms, you know, NDAs, all this, all these agreements. Um, but then when that VP, and it literally, this is literally how it worked out. A VP from one of the companies saw that and was just like, this is great. I need to send it to my friend. <laughs> and they started sending it to their friend. And, and these were media companies, actually, that they started sending it to, right? So large studios that were, like, not part of this test started to, like, show up on our compromise list. And we're like, well, that's not a valid IP. Like, that's... Uh, we need to look up who this is. And it became a hassle. Like, we had to shut it down uh, because yeah. other people started to connect. And uh, at that time, uh, we worked for a company. Um, so we weren't running our own company and, uh, w which is great, uh, because we didn't have to deal with the legal ramifications afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> calling each one of those companies. So this person downloaded malware they weren't supposed to, uh, but, uh, yeah, so that is, you know, one, one particular story. And, and there are literally 
just countless stories like that that we have and and even more countless stories that other individuals who do security testing have but there are these stories you know though this is fun and funny because we were hired to do this and you know we weren't malicious there are people who do this maliciously against unsuspecting people microsoft support is not telling you that you need to update your computer when you try to visit a website, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, the IRS is not going to call you um, and require banking information or require your uh, login for your credentials or your your credentials for banking information or anything like that. Those yep. are the real yep. things that happen that affect people. Yep. And uh, it, I think my my takeaway from all of the phishing exercises that I ever participated in is like they are just so effective. Like how was I like like this being a great example is like oh yeah we're gonna send this out we we'll get some credentials it's like oh we got all the credentials we oh we got everything like that it it is you know humans are are always the weakest hundred percent yeah getting getting an eighty percent success rate out of like. You know, we're given a list of users if there's 100 of them and getting 80 of them to fall for our phishing scam was not uncommon. And yep. even now today, everyone knows about phishing or uh, they know about the concept of phishing and scams and stuff like that. But they still fall for it. And again, yep. that's just human nature, right? That just it takes more training. And and the best thing about if you have an employee that falls for a phishing scam, uh, more times than not, they will be. Uh, you know, on a crusade in your company to make sure no one else falls for it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Or at least that's what you hope for. There have been some cases where we do phishing and, you know, we've ran two or three tests on a company <laughs> and it's the same two or three people that are always yep. on the list w- yep. along with a whole bunch of other people. Yep. But yeah, <laughs> that's also a problem. Oh, man. Yeah, so... Uh, the, the bad guys clearly have methods of compromising our passwords when we're users. Uh, what about services? Uh, what do they do there? Yeah, so, I mean, every every site or every company pretty much has some type of website, right? If you want to order food to be delivered to your house, you are rarely making a phone call to make that happen. Um, more times than not, you're going to be using an online service for that. And that service can be uh, anything, right? Uh, Amazon Fresh is a food delivery service, right? Or, um, you know, it's the smaller food delivery services that have been popping up recently because of the current situations. Um, Those require credentials. And a lot of times those will be tied to your credit card as well, right? They'll have you enter in a username and password and they will say, hey, uh, with that, uh, we need you to put your credit card in here and for ease of access, people will save their, their credit card. So now these services, these websites that are offering things that, you know, uh, that you want to use, they're going to get compromised and they get compromised because what they have services themselves um, can uh, be insecure. So when we say a service, we mean, you know, a, a website is a service in the computer world, right? Um, so then they get, they become compromised. And then you can have a whole bunch of people's, once those, those websites becomes compromised, 
a whole bunch of um, people have a uh, or the attackers for a little while, at least, will have a ton of credentials that people use. And again, this goes into the problem with password reuse. A lot of times these websites, a person will have a password that is, uh, you know, in the database that gets compromised. And uh, that same password is used multiple, multiple, multiple times in every single part of their life, right? That resolves in the digital world. So these breaches, as they're called, uh, will be used and uh, they will give attackers, the real bad guys, the ability to now let them have access to not just that website, but possibly many other websites. And, yeah, and with okay. that, uh, we have a, you know, the vulnerability to brute forcing attacks and your credentials being guessed as well uh, on a website. So if it's easy to remember or if you use a very simple password, that can also happen. And that can lead to a, yep. a, a compromise on that side. And that, that's been like the, the way my initial foothold into various organizations that, that I got into doing penetration testing work was like, I'm going to go to, go to LinkedIn, put a list together of all the employees, find one email account from somebody at this company so that I know it's like first initial last name at this domain, and then put together a list of common passwords. And then if, the, if there's a login form that doesn't have any sort of anti-automation, any like uh, rate limiting, then I'm just going to, or not just rate limiting, but also like capture stuff like that. Uh, I'm just going to throw that list at that endpoint and see if any of these work. And um, and one thing that I said earlier was talking about how like you could store passwords securely versus insecurely. So see, like insecurely being I'm storing it in plain text securely or more securely being like I'm hashing those passwords. Uh, but like even that doesn't entirely protect you. So let's say that somebody, uh, a website is compromised, the database is uh, is compromised and all the passwords in there are hashed. That's going to make it harder for the attacker to figure out what the initial pass plain text password is for those uh, for those accounts. And again, you need to know that plain text password if you're going to be able to use that credential on other websites. Um, but it doesn't make it impossible. It just makes it harder. There's things like pre-computation attacks. Uh, there's things called rainbow tables. There's all sorts of methods that will actually uh, enable attackers to go from a set of password hashes to the plain text credentials that that generated those hashes. Oh man, yeah. So, fellas, I'm convinced. But what do we do from here to protect ourselves, you know, and protect our passwords from being compromised? And what do we do once our passwords are inevitably compromised? Burn everything to the ground and destroy That's all right. computers. I mean, there is yeah. no recovering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but assuming we still have to deal with computers. Um, so there's one, there's, you should know if you've been compromised. So, uh, especially in scenarios in which you, um, can't, can't wholly prevent a bad situation from happening. You can at least put yourself in a position where you will know when something bad has happened. And so there's a website called, have I been pwned? Um, and the idea here is that you can actually sign up for this service. You give them your email address, and this is a security researcher uh, a fairly well-reputed figure in the industry where uh, he gets access to database dumps. And if your if your um, email address ever shows up in any of these database dumps, you will get notified. Um, so um, like basically, you can go there, type in your email address, and be like, yes, this uh, there have been passwords associated with this email address that have appeared in XYZ database uh, breaches. 
Um, and you can sign up for a service that will uh, proactively notify you upon, like if there's a new breach and your password shows up in that breach, you actually get an email address or get, get an email saying that your email address was in there. And um, you can even sign up, I believe, for an entire like corporate domain as well. Uh, so you can say if there's any if there's any email addresses underneath this like at fluffybunnies123.com, um, let me know. So like from a from a corporate standpoint, you can better defend your employees. Oh, that, that's a fantastic service. <laughs> okay, so um, so that's what we should do if our passwords get compromised. What can we do to prevent our so prevent our passwords? Um, from being compromised in other ways, say for example, sharing passwords. Um, how do we, how do we make passwords that are great that we can use, and if one of them gets compromised, makes it easy to, you know, change. Yeah, and with that, you know, in today's world, we have the great resource of password managers. Uh, password managers allow you to have. Uh, they allow you to remember all those passwords for you so that you don't have to. So what this means is that a password manager will have your different accounts. So I have my, you know, my email account. I have my bank credentials. I have, you know, my social media accounts. And with all these, I have these super complex, long passwords, right? 256 characters long and special characters are all randomized. And the password manager, they sit inside a secure container inside them. Um, and to get access to these passwords, all you have to do is remember one extremely long password, right? Hopefully yeah. extremely long uh, password. We, Hopefully really secure We password. hope it is long and secure. But now, once you enter that in, you can gain access into all your other credentials. <clears throat> so they store it for you you can use them uh, and some examples of these to name some companies some popular ones uh, if you're doing stuff online uh, you know one pass or last pass are two very popular ones if you're doing stuff not online or if you don't want your passwords to be stored online um, by another company then you can use something like KeePass. Um, and I use a combination of, of all those for different things. And depending on clients, they also have different requirements that they want us mm -hmm. to use. So with that, <clears throat> I have one very long password that is tied actually to a hardware token as well. Um, so I have to have a password, something that I know, and then uh, something that I have to unlock my password manager. Going back to what Chris described early in this episode, um, and then I have, you know, all my uh, passwords stored there for me so I can copy them and then paste them into the form that I'm putting it into. Right. If I'm trying to log in to my email, I can just copy and paste it and it allows it to have this very long, complex password without me having to memorize all the long, complex passwords at the same time, um, you know. We talked about having all these complex passwords is unlocking your uh, all your passwords with one password a bad thing. Uh, there are arguments to be made that, you know, having this pyramid shape uh, threat model where this one password controls all the other passwords, right? Or they control all the other yeah. items uh, could be a bad thing. 
but more times than not, that's why you want to make sure that password is very long and complex. Uh, it is going to be a safer option than having a ton of passwords that could be complex, but could be the same password reuse or a ton of passwords that aren't complex. You might think it's complex as a human, but again, a computer doesn't think that it's complex. It can guess it very, very quickly. So uh, it is, it goes a little bit counterintuitive to like, you know, some of the things we've said, but it is a, a much better option than just having tons of smaller passwords or even tons of uh, or, you know, one shared password across all your accounts. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, and I think we're going to talk a bit more about that in a, in another episode, because it's kind of one of the core trade-offs that you have to consider when thinking about security is, do I want to consolidate my risk in one place or do I want to diversify my risk by spreading it out? And in this case, we're, we're going for a consolidation approach. Yeah. And, and, and in that side, again, like I was saying with mine, I require a physical hardware token and my password, right? So that, again, yep. alleviates even having that single point of compromise. Now there are two items that have to be taken care of before yep. it's compromised. Yeah. Uh, can you all expand on um, the supplement passwords with what you have? Yeah. 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 So um, I, I think most folks that are listening have probably used a, a like multi-factor authentication scheme, even if they don't realize it. So like I said before, like if, if you've ever tried signing into like your Gmail account from a new computer and it's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't think this is, I don't think you are who you say you are. You're going to have to prove yourself now. I'm going to send you a text message or something like that. It's not that Google is very paranoid, which they are. Um, but the whole idea here is that um, like, okay, yes, you've demonstrated that you know this password, but now we need you to demonstrate that you have access to something else that we associate with this identity. Um, so, so getting a says getting a text message when you try logging in is like one approach. That's not the strongest approach. It's not the one that we would, we would recommend first. I also have an app on my phone called Google authenticator, um, which I use for various accounts that I really care about. So when I type in my uh, username and password, the next screen I get says, okay, give me the code from your Google authenticator app. And basically it's a rolling, it's a six digit number that, uh, that continues to roll over like every 10 seconds or something. And I have to know the present value of that number in order to successfully log in somewhere. Um, but, but these multi-factor authentication schemes, all of them have the same quality of like, it can't just be your password or it can't just be this one thing that gets you in. You're going to have to demonstrate that you have a secondary form of authentication. So well. now if your password is compromised, it doesn't result in every account being, being compromised. Um, in this case, yeah. yep. now they have to, the attacker has to do multiple things. They have to intercept a text message and know your password or compromise your phone and know your password. So it, yep. all that is doing, that's called security in depth. That is making the bar higher so that they require an attacker, uh, requires more work to be done on their part before they can compromise your account. That's fantastic. Sign me up for Google Auth. <laughs> so um yeah we can supplement passwords with multi-factor auth uh what can we do to just make the passwords themselves stronger yeah like choosing a complex password right how should you choose a password again we talked about uh <laughs> yeah uh again we talked about 
not having passwords that can be associated to you very easily, right? So if you have a kid, don't have their birthday in it. Don't have your birthday in your password, right? Your dog's yeah, birthday. Yeah, your dog's birthday. Don't don't have these items in there, right? Um, it should uh, have a mix of upper and lowercase, you know, special characters. Now, if you have a password that just has tons and tons of special characters, you're limiting yourself again. Um, so if you're like, oh, I heard special characters are really important in a password. So I'm going to put one uppercase, one lowercase, one number and like 20 special characters. Right. Um, Good luck. remembering. Yeah. You're going to have a hard time remembering that uh, unless, again, you're that superhuman that already remembers all their passwords that are 256 characters or longer. Um, you know, we're not oh, including please. you in this discussion, um, but it's not going to do it's not going to make it uh, as difficult as you believe it is for a computer, again, to guess or something like that. And it's going to be a little bit harder to remember. So with that, you know, you can um, <laughs> you can use a combination of things, right? Uh, you can use, you know, uh, I like to ride uh, my bike on Sundays or something like that. And you can mix in their special characters and numbers substituted for uh, letters and make sure it's different uppercase and lowercase on there. That would be as long as you have it totally mixed uh, with special characters, numbers, upper and lowercase, that would be a fairly good password. Now that we said that password, make sure you never use that password, right? Um, I have to go change all of my Yeah, <laughs> I already changed it. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> so uh, with that, um, yeah, and I, I was saying I changed it for you, Chris. Don't worry, I got your back. Um, ah, and uh, but with this, uh, having these complex passwords that are easy to remember is one thing that you can do. So make it sure it's easy for you to remember as the user, because in the end, it's going to be you typing it and hopefully only you typing in that password. Um, but make sure it's complex. Don't try to be smarter than the computer. Uh, the real thing that's going to help you with this is going to be length. And yep. Yep. sometimes a, a website is going to require you to have a bad password. Um, so. Eight character yeah, marks. Yeah. If. <laughs> Okay, so so a, a quick side note on that. Uh, if you were at one time in your life applying for employment at like the CIA and the NSA, one of them, the NSA, requires like your password be under 12 characters. And then Seriously? the other one requires your password, the CIA, to be over 12 characters. Yes, and that is a real thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it was just like, ah, uh, yes. At that time in my life, uh, you know, this is like 2010. I was like, um, uh, okay, so now I know the NSA can guess any password under 12 characters uh, <laughs> instantly. Uh, <laughs> well, the, and the uh, so one thing I wanted to just emphasize uh, with uh, with what Drew was saying here is like a sentence is a great thing to do. So so. Pick a set. If you need to make one long, strong password to unlock your password manager, make it a sentence, something that you can easily remember. Um, and and even you know, even if it's like six or seven words long, 
if it's grammatically correct or yeah, you can put special characters in there. But even if you don't put special characters in there, if it's just like six words, one after the other, that is still going to be much stronger than an eight character long password that has a yep, bunch of yep. special characters in it. And it's going to be long. It's going to be easy to remember. And hopefully it's not associated uh, directly with you or something you identify. As. Yeah. And make sure it's not song lyrics as well. Yeah, or from like, a book. Yeah. Yeah. Or from a book. Right. So don't think your password, you know, being I'm never going to give you up is going to be unique because that's part of a song lyric. So, ah, God, now I got to change all my other passwords. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fellas, this has been great. All right. So in summary, our three takeaways are one, there are services out there like Have I Been Pwned, which will tell you whether your passwords have been compromised. You might want to take a look. Two, reusing passwords is the top cause of password-based compromise, which brings us to three, you should always use a password manager. While there are plenty of risks associated with using passwords, in today's world, we can't seem to get away from them. As such, it's important that you know how to keep your passwords as safe as possible and know when your passwords may have been compromised. Through careful use of password managers, multi-factor authentication, and making use of other sign-in methods, keeping in mind privacy downsides, you can make yourself a tougher target for hackers. And just use a password manager. Yeah, just use a password manager, please. And multi-factor authentication. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Security Explained. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love to hear from you. We're always looking for new topics that our audience finds interesting, and you might be able to pick our next show. Feel free to reach out via social media or radar podcast on your listening platform to let us know how we're doing. You can find us on the web at securityexplained.fm or on Twitter at SecExplained. Thanks again, and until next time, stay safe.